All right, uh, welcome everybody. This week, uh, in, I wanted to do a video which was going to be on my transformation, like body transformation for the past seven years or so ever since I've been into lifting, but it turned out to be a much bigger job than I anticipated initially. Uh, and with Dave, we've been talking for a while that we should get on a second call and discuss some cool stuff that might be interesting to you. So that's what we are doing today. And um, yeah, hopefully this will be interesting. There might be some ranty discussions here, which might not be strictly that practical in terms of like nutrition and training information, but I think uh, there might be some insightful stuff here. So Dave, uh, thank you for taking the time today. How are you doing? I'm doing well, man. I'm glad I could be your plan B for this week's video. Okay, like, hey, I couldn't make my video work, so please get on a call with me. <laughs> um, but no, actually, what inspired this call is a recent Facebook post that I had, uh, which um, we are going to be talking about sort of the delusions that we tend to have in lifting and some of the false promises that are kind of floating around in the evidence-based fitness circles just as much as the non-evidence-based fitness circles that are just about juiced up bodybuilders and fitness models uh, pushing supplements and things like that. So we are going to be talking about that for sure. But first things first, uh, I just want to ask you, like, what have you been up to in terms of training and and nutrition? Were you working towards any specific goals? And also, how has your sleep been recently? <laughs> Sure. Yeah. So, um, and yeah, I thought the topics that you sent were great. I mean, I know we have a lot of similar thoughts on that. Um, I actually, I just put out a video recently on maintenance training and then I had another one on training on like, vacation. Um, and, and that's actually very applicable to what I've been doing just because I have been very busy. Um, you know, I, I moved not too long ago. Um, I was traveling in Europe for a few weeks. I started a new job. I uh, got, <laughs> got in like okay. car wrecks so on trying to get a new car. There's like all this, this craziness that's been going on. Um, so, you know, I've just kind of been sticking to three days a week. Uh, there's even been a couple of weeks where I've, I've done two, um, which I mean, I really haven't regressed at all. Um, I, I've still hit, you know, some pretty solid numbers. Um, and then nutritionally, just eating at maintenance. So I'm sitting like right at 200 pounds right now. Um, it's pretty comfortable for me. Uh, I, I prefer actually closer to like 190, but um, 200 is, is a comfortable place for me. And uh, sleep wise, I, you know, I always try to get like seven to eight if I can. Um, and thankfully, so far, I've been able to do that most nights. Every once in a while, you know, you got a night that you just have to push through and get a lot done. Um, but things have been pretty much at maintenance. Um, the only like specific goals, like really like fitness related goals I've been trying to hit um, is just getting my overhead press and pull up numbers. Um, back up there just because like recently I, I've been pretty close to PR levels without actually even trying. Um, so I figured, you know, if I'm, if I'm that close to all time bests just on a maintenance phase, if I, if I push a little harder, I could probably get some all time bests there. Um, but for the most part, just with how busy it's been, just kind of doing my thing and maintaining. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's funny because we are kind of at the opposite ends of the spectrum right now because what has been going on with me on that front is, you know, I was, so I put out a couple of videos even on like good body fat percentages to maintain and I've been speaking quite a lot against the idea of trying to stay super lean all the time and how your life quality and just productivity in life and things like that could be objectively better for many people, I think, if they accept uh, still lean and athletic, but slightly higher body fat percentage, high. I mean, you know, 12 to maybe 16% body fat or so, and just hovering around there. And that's what I've been doing. But then kind of summer came and we were going for vacation. And, you know, like the regular stuff hit me, what 
hits most guys. I think I just wanted to look a bit crisper for the holiday. And also it was summer, really warm, and just my appetite naturally dropped a little bit. So at first I just decided to roll with that and I dropped a little bit of yeah. body fat. And I went to the vac- vacation actually looking pretty, not crisp, but lean, you know, prob- probably below 12% body fat or so. And then I went to Bulgaria. I was speaking at that a really cool conference with with the Aesthetic by Science crew. And there I was busy just doing a lot of things with the guys there. So I dropped a little bit body fat even further. I took those pictures with Mario Tomic that I posted on Instagram. And I was pretty lean. I think you've seen those pictures. I was looking pretty lean at the time. And I was thinking then that, you know what, probably on purpose, at least, I won't be getting this lean for a while. Uh, If I just go back to gaining, I will probably go up to like 12% body fat or so, and then we'll either do a lean bulk or just comfortably maintain there. So I was like, you know what? If I'm this lean already, why not get a little bit leaner and use that as an opportunity to take some proper photos? Because beforehand, anytime I was decently lean, I kind of just wasted those times in that regard. I just shot a couple of really crappy photos in the changing room, and then that was it. And then I went back to gaining. And now I was like, you know what? Let's just take a couple of like, prof- not professional necessarily, but high quality photos. And, you know, it can be good for business and just or just for myself as something to look at later on. So I decided to get uh, like pretty darn lean. And at the moment, actually, I'm the leanest I've ever been in my life, which is... Yeah, I was going to ask, what would you estimate your body fat at right now? Uh, you know, and it's, it's really tricky, but probably eight or below slightly. Um, yeah, I mean, you look pretty damn lean, dude. How much do you weigh? Yeah, at the moment, I'm weighing like 80 kilos or uh, actually below that probably. Um, I hit last week, I hit on the scale 79.6 which has been my all-time low for uh, in the last two years, certainly. Um, and yeah, the last time I was below 80 kilos, I was definitely, I either did like a carnivore diet or something like that, where I just dropped a lot of stomach content and glycogen. So that just makes you lighter by default or just had less muscle than I have currently. So, right. And you're like, what, like six feet tall, right? Or so. Yeah. 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 Six foot. Exactly. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, at this point, little fluctuations in the amount of water you're retaining or stomach content or bloating can make a huge impact on how lean you are. So I've been playing around with these casein pudding things I've been making lately, and uh, it's delicious and really filling, but it also makes me kind of bloated and uh, doesn't treat my stomach that well. So I've been just retaining a lot of water and was just bloated on a couple of days. So it, it there can be huge ups and downs in the yeah. leanness and dryness you have. But yeah, I'm I'm leaner than I've ever been before. And I gotta be honest, on the deficit days that I have, I really feel it. Um yeah, it's 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 a whole different discussion by itself. But honestly I have gained such a newfound respect and just appreciation for what the bodybuilders are doing by getting down to those insane levels of, of leanness. And Eric Helms, I mean the shredded condition that he achieved and the amount of things that he has done in the meanwhile. I right, mean, I, right. Pretty yeah, crazy. It, it is, it is. And and to me, the hunger part is not at all the hardest part because I'm really good at managing food choices and, and keeping myself satiated on that front. But just the amount of lethargy that comes throughout some days, I mean, at the end of the day, honestly, after a full day of doing stuff, trying to be productive, and of course the calorie deficit also training at night honestly i just i don't want to do anything else but just stare out of my head and play video games or something like that and to think of doing like serious social interactions and doing the 
super busy stuff that Eric, for example, is participating in. It's just uh, unimaginable to me at this point. So I kind of got a reality check of like what really goes into uh, like a contest prep or something. Uh, all of us know that it, it's hard in theory, but yeah, I, I think I got a glimpse of what that must feel like, something like that. It's crazy. Right. Yeah. I mean, even, you know, and like I haven't done, I haven't been contest lean, um, but when I think about the times that I've like really, really dug deep, it's just, like you said, you, you just don't want to do anything. Um, it, it's just how much your body just compensates by making you lethargic and all of that. It, it's definitely tough. I mean, hunger is a big thing for me more so because it affects my sleep um, and then and that you know obviously leads to more fatigue but it, it definitely I mean, it just zaps you it's not something i, would, I find <laughs> terribly desirable yeah yeah and and yeah that, that's the two things sleep and then functioning socially because especially for me i'm a fairly introverted person to begin with and then add on top of that the lethargy that comes the the food focus that it comes like i will be completely honest the food focus has increased a lot uh, from from baseline uh, which which is normal but um again it's a reality check of at a certain point that is unavoidable like you will get food focused it is just a biological response almost and um yeah functioning socially and being a good boyfriend for my girlfriend you know that's that that, that just becomes like uh something to manage and you have to be very intentional about it and probably you get better at it over time like i know eric for example has these stories of what a shitty human being he has been in earlier contest preps where it just consumed all of his life and now after doing this for several several years he has gotten much better at it but yeah and the sleep as we talked about it last time i'm not at all a sleeping champion and it it's um the first thing to go anyway and now at this slow body fat percentage plus the deficit yeah i just pop up pretty predictably like five or six hours after i go to bed and then i have to stay in bed for another one or two hours just lie there and eventually like meditate myself back to sleep it is it is tough yeah right yeah yeah so um yeah other than that um not much else other than i've been just geeking out a lot on optimizing sleep as much as i could and like you, I had a great conversation with Greg Potter, right. and that, that has been an incredibly insightful interview. I really loved uh, everything that he shared, and I tried to implement a lot of stuff. And um, yeah, I ordered myself a new orange, one of those blue blocking uh, glasses. So I hope, hope, to, hope to see some nice benefits from those. Uh, so yeah, that, that's about the fitness front. And um, yeah, the, otherwise, how has uh, content been for you? Um, what are your like what what have been the main focus of yours lately and what what are your plans going forward with your podcast and and videos and stuff like that and have you had any kind of ideas or revelations about like what direction you want to go to with your content or how is it yeah i mean i think it's uh it is interesting to just see how many people have podcasts i mean again this isn't new but like when i when i started i saw it's actually been almost exactly a year now um which is kind of crazy to think I've, I've already been doing it for a year um and i, I mean i'm around like 2,000 subscribers so it's nothing you know it's, it's nothing crazy for a year but it's you know i mean this is a, a part-time thing for me so it's something that still keeps me busy um but i definitely noticed that one of the reasons that i never really made a youtube channel in the first place before the podcast idea 
idea was like, you know, I have these thoughts on it, but after what, 50 videos, I'm just not going to, you know, I'm going to state most of my beliefs and then that's it. I don't want to just be repeating myself. Uh, the reason I, w- I did the podcast is because I get to talk to so many different people and, and I find that really interesting. Um, you know, you can look at certain people out there like, you know, Jason Blahar or people like that who just literally have probably made the same video 20 times. And it's like, which in a sense, I don't even want to like knock them too much because it's like, that's their income, right? So like <laughs> people are watching the videos, they put out the same content over and over. People keep watching, they make money. So, um, it, it, it makes sense. It's just not something that I have any interest in doing. And even, even some of like the, the good people, again, I probably won't <laughs> name specific names there, but, um, you know, some of the people that we all respect, it's still the same videos over and over. And I just, I have no interest in doing that. And I don't have a need to do that because like I said, it's not really my source of income. Um, so I just like to do stuff that I, I actually genuinely find interesting. And sometimes that is a video. You know, if I get a few people asking questions, I'll answer a video on that or maybe I'll start doing like Q&As. Um, but I, I kind of just do uh, what uh, Danny Lennon, like he talked about how like on his podcast, he'll just kind of have like themes and like, you know, whatever he's interested in. And I kind of feel the same way where it's like, if this is a, a interest of mine, I'll bring those people on. And most of the time it, it is related to like health and fitness. Um, but I might start branching out from that a little bit just to just because I find it interesting. Um, and hopefully the people who listen find it interesting too too. Um, but and I think you've also said that and Jacob Skepis has said it how like you're not just gonna have people on for the sake of having people on. I think that's when things kind of start going downhill with content, you know. Yeah, it is um I think I think what that comes down to is what your goal is and who you want to be. Like first of all are you trying to create a business or is is it a hobby that is a big determinant? Because if it's a hobby, just do whatever you enjoy doing. Uh, if it's a business, or are you trying to be a, like a science communicator, someone like Denny, or are you trying to set up a, a personal brand? Because if, if it's the latter, then repeating yourself and saying the same things over and over again is, is part of the game. Like it is part of the sport. I mean, right. uh, look at, yeah, pro- you mentioned people that you didn't want to name. Like I will mention Brett Schoenfeld, for example. I mean, he is a he is a pioneer. Like one day he will go down in the history books as, you know, one of the most influential figures in the field of hypertrophy science, if not the most influential at this point. And, you know, Instagram, I'm opening it and I'm seeing a post from him like, hey, carbs after 6 p.m. don't make you fat or something like that. And it's like, <laughs> you know, and, and I'm kind of making fun of it internally, or maybe I will send it to a, a friend. It's like, holy shit, dude, have right. you seen this? And we are kind of kind of laughing at it. But at the same time, he's not creating that post for me. He's right. creating it for the people that potentially just started following him on Instagram that day. And for a portion of those, that's going to be actually brand new information. And that that's something... I mean, there's a lot of, I mean, obviously, if you think of someone like Greg O'Gallagher, Kino Buddy, I mean, literally out of the 1,500 videos that he has done, probably 800 of those are on intermittent fasting. The <laughs> right. next 500 is about black coffee. And then the next 300 is about training three days a week and doing overhead press and incline bench. Right, right. But, but it's, um, and we can knock that, but at the same time, like it is, it is clearly working. Like sure. I, I discovered his channel probably five years into him doing it already. And to me at the time, those new videos were new, even though some other people have seen it a t- thousand times. Yeah, it is just something that you kind of have to come to grips with. It's almost like an elementary school teacher who is an, another year, another first grade class that he has to teach, you know, five plus five is 10. Right. Well, actually, yeah, it's, that's, that's what I was going to say is, you know, as much as I might say like, oh, that's not necessarily what I want to do. That's every job, right? Like every yeah. job is, is typically the same thing every single day, right? I mean, not literally always the same, but most jobs you're going in there, you're, you're doing whatever your task is, and you're going in the next day, and you're doing the same thing when you're a teacher, right? 
right? So you're teaching the same material every year, different students, but you're teaching the same thing. So to your point, yeah, these people, they're putting out the same videos, but there's a new audience. Not to mention that people like to watch things that are up to date, right? Like, you know, um, MMA is getting really big. And there are videos from like two years ago that might be discussing something that's still relevant now, but people don't want to watch something that's two years old. Even if like, yeah. you know, Omar Esau is another guy who puts out, puts out a lot of similar content, right? But he might have a how to bench video from three years ago and a newcomer would rather see a new how to bench video just because people like to be up to date with things they like to see what's currently going on and they like to be a part of something and if they go back and read or like you know they see the comments from three years ago it's like well this isn't happening in my real time i want to see it happening now and, and so i don't actually think it's a bad idea um it's just for me personally at this point it's just not what i want to do but again i've only been doing it for a year so there's not even the time to really repeat myself that much yeah, I mean, not to mention, uh, that is absolutely true. First of all, like it literally just happened to me the other day. I was, I wanted to watch some kind of an instructional video on some funky exercise or something. And there was a video done by maybe Jeff Nippard and then another one made by some, some other guy or maybe Jeff Nippard as well. But the point is two videos and I know both of them are credible sources, but one of them was three years old. And the other one was nine months old. And it's like, mm -hmm. okay, so probably both of them are equally valid in terms of the actual information in it. But, you know, I, I, it's, it's an intuitive thing where like an instinctive thing, you're clicking on the newer thing. It's, it's just wired into us. But the other, the other thing is sometimes even if you knew right. certain things already, sometimes if you're invested into that particular topic, like in this case, fitness, you just want to hear that same thing over and over again. Like, uh, and, and even if you have heard it before, it's just nice to hear it again. Like when I'm clicking. Sure, it reinforces your belief. Yeah, yeah. And it's just like maybe there will be another point in it or or like an affirmation almost. Of course, it can get funny at a certain point. Like I'm not going to watch another Kino Body video on intermittent fasting. But right, right. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, um, a, a big revelation that I had, uh, part of the reason why I asked you this is because like for me originally, what I set out to do with my YouTube channel and my podcast is that I actually wanted to help people. Like I wanted to make a difference in people's lives. Uh, part of that is, of course, the interviews and bringing good information. Like I don't think you can ever hear Eric Helms talking about things enough because um, he is just such a thoughtful person, just lights things from so many different angles and brings so many new perspectives. And he's also updating his own perspectives continuously. So that is always a valuable thing. But I personally wanted to be a part of other people creating a positive change for themselves. And what I noticed um, in the past couple of months, I mean, I kind of noticed it for a while, but I haven't faced it in terms of actually taking action on that recognition is that I kind of just created a community of mental masturbators um, for myself, if I'm being honest. Like, not, not everybody, of course. And it's not even a... I'm not saying that like uh, pejoratively, like I am that in many ways myself. I, I love I love mentally masturbating on things, but just this other day, I someone someone told me like, hey, could you make a video or a post about your seven day a week training and how you're making that work in terms of recovery and stuff? And just a couple of months ago, I would have been like, awesome, thank you, dude, great idea. I'm gonna make that video. And now I was like, honestly, ma'am, I would rather not because those types of videos tend to attract a particular type of audience right, that are right. just gonna be like calling me out and getting into discussions on YouTube, either politely or not so politely about like SRA curves and whatever. And that is just not my mission. Like that is not going to create a positive change in anybody's lives. It's just going to lead to mental masturbation. Um, yeah, I don't know if you've had that thought at any yeah, point. Yeah, for sure. Uh, well, first, I think the uh, 
quote of the day is, I love to mentally masturbate onto things. That'll be the highlight yeah, yeah. <laughs> for Instagram. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think that's, and, and it kind of ties into another question that we had talked about, like saying the false promises from the uh, evidence-based crew versus, you know, like the steroid enhanced crew. Um, I think it kind of goes into that because what happens is, and, and this is very common, um, you get people who are really into this and they want to do everything they can. And so they want to believe that because I'll, I'll talk with some of these people and I'll always kind of say, and not always, but I'll, I'll kind of clarify sometimes like, okay, but like to be clear, it's not going to make that much of a difference. You know, like I've had uh, Steve Hall on with Jacob Skeptis a few times and we're talking and say, like, well, I'm doing this and then I'm, you know, increasing my volume over this time and et cetera, et cetera. And even Mike Isertel, who is like the king of promoting the volume landmarks, has said that for most people, it won't make that much of a difference, which is, I, I think, honest of him, um, which is good. And of course, he's not just going to keep saying that, right? He's not going to make every post say, hey, just so you know, this isn't that big of a difference. He's just going to point out, you know, his thoughts on it. But I think it's very easy to forget that when you're looking at all these details, a lot of them don't <laughs> really matter that much. Um, and as people who are obsessed, you want to do as much as possible, right? Like I've, one story I've told several times, it's like all the, the social times that I missed out in high school, right? So in high school, I, um, you know, I would literally like not go out late because I had to get up early at five in the morning to go to the gym with my dad. I wouldn't eat pizza at a, a, you know, when we were being social because I had to have my chicken and broccoli, whatever. And like, that was not a good call. But not only was it not a good decision, it didn't even help me. Like, it would have just been better to just like enjoy my time, just lift consistently. And I th- I'd be in the exact same position that I am today with a less like negative outlook on that period of high school. Um, and, and so we look at all these details and it's not that you shouldn't try to optimize. I'm not saying you shouldn't try to program optimally or you shouldn't try to like get your nutrition set. There is something to be said for trying to optimize it when you can. Um, but I think with how much that stuff, and, it, and that also ties back into what I was saying before about like how much content can you really put out? How much time, how many times can you just say, these are the basics, that's what you should follow. You know, if we have a new study that shows that there was a benefit from, from this little thing, well, that's what we're going to talk about. Um, but I think you always have to remember that like, we already know what does 95% of it, right? You've got your genetics, <laughs> that's a huge part of it. And you've got consistency with the basics. And, and that's most of it. And um, it's fun to talk about these other things. And I personally like to, and I, I think you at times like to talk about those things as well. It's not that we're not interested in them. It's just, uh, I, I don't want people to get wrapped up in the idea that like, this is now their whole life. And they need to focus on those things. Um, so like one specific example, somebody asked me, I never really uh, replied to it too much, but they had asked me in an Instagram message, they like DM me and they said like, oh, like what are your thoughts on velocity training? And I just said, well, I'm not really that into it. And they said, oh, well, why not? And I said, well, maybe I'll make a video on it. I just didn't like getting into it that much there. Um, but my thoughts on her is that like, can it benefit you? Probably, you know, based on the studies, there there's some small benefit compared to like not doing it in the short term. You know, we don't know long term if it would matter. But do I really think that if you get like, a Nintendo unit and you're setting up and you're, you're determining, oh, well, I, you know, it was 0.33 meters per second there. And, and that, you know, that really means I should stop once earlier. That to me is, is getting so obsessive with it that outside of a training study environment, it's just not helping you. You know, it's like defining like this like mental masturbation of like, oh, should I stop there or there? You know, I, I don't know anybody who's making amazing progress here who's obsessing over something like velocity training. And again, I'm not trying to like, you know, shit on the researchers who look into that or anything like that. It's just, um, I think it's it's easy to go down this rabbit hole looking for optimality um, rather than just looking at the big picture. Yeah, it is. Um, it's almost like um, a fascinating thing from a anthropological or like a sociological uh, perspective. Like, it, I cannot really answer the question of wh- why are we doing this. Like, um, 
a lot of the things, the things that you mentioned, that you did a lot of things which not only were not necessary but didn't even help you. I mean, a very classic thing I would have done earlier on is that if I knew that I had, I will have to take three days off from the gym, then I would do like double the volume uh, for the three prior days. Now, <laughs> definitely, yep. When I was doing that, deep down, I kind of knew that this didn't make any sense. Like, it just doesn't work out that way. That okay, I'm doing double the work in this day, whereas I was pushing the envelope pretty hard to begin with, I cannot force my body to recover twice as fast just because I'm taking three days off. Um, or maybe in that time frame I actually could, but let's say it's a week. So I'm going to do two a days for a week and double the volume. That doesn't make any sense. And probably the only thing I'm actually accomplishing is pushing myself to overreaching or something that week, risking injury. And a month from now, I will be at the exact same place as I would be if I just took that week off and didn't do anything. Um, so the big question is, why did I do that then? Because I knew that, that that doesn't make sense, but did I do it because there was just this fear that I couldn't suppress inside of me that I'm going to regress? Or was it just something to make my soul feel better? Or was it just something that I found to be fun and in, enjoying at the moment? Because a lot of these things like, yeah, I also skipped out on a lot of social events and I wouldn't eat and even a bite of something because no, I'm not breaking my diet. But on some level, it was it was fun for me to do it. Like while I was doing those ridiculous things, there was a part of me which just felt empowered by all of that. But but I honestly can't really point, pin pin it down to anything. Like why we are doing these things? Like what what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think that goes into a little bit deeper psychological, um, even than most of the things I've done. Just because like I know that when I look back on my own specific example, I really did think that it was helping me. Like I, I truly believed that it was. Um so at least in those situations that was why. Um although even then I, I do remember talking to myself at times and, and like when I was freshman in college and just thinking like, no, like I can drink, like it'd be fine if I just had a drink here. Like and I, I objectively knew that. Um but I just there was just something about it if I felt like I was like quitting or, or something. Um or like another example was like every Christmas morning, I would do like this super high volume workout because I had a gym in my basement. And I was like, oh man, well, I'm having this huge refeed. So if I do this super high volume, you know, I'll have all this compensation and I'll gain more muscle as if like that was going to happen on one day, right? Um, yeah. but, I, but I still, I, I did believe it at the time. Um, and now it's like I either don't train or I'll just do like a normal workout that day. But I, I do think that there's something in like, you know, I don't, I don't know if you're kind of type A in the rest of your life. I definitely am personally. And there's there's something about like, you know, not leaving any stone unturned. And, and for me, if I have a goal, it's really hard for me to accept not hitting that goal if I haven't done everything that I can do. I mean, I, I've gone to like ridiculous lengths at times to make sure that something happened just because I felt like I would regret it if I didn't. Like, it could just be like a silly little thing, but it's like, man, like, I, I need to complete this or else it's going to bother me that I didn't. Um, and, and so with lifting and stuff, I've kind of gotten away from that. But like, you know, maybe there was a workout that I was just like really just like dragging. And I knew that it wasn't even productive for me to like finish it, but it was like, no, like I have to, I have to do this even if it sucks. And, and, and don't get me wrong, like there's, there's a time and place for that. I'm not saying just anytime you want yeah. to like give up on something, you should do it. But in the case of like you, where like you at that time, it sounds like you objectively knew it didn't matter and you still felt the need to do it. Um, which again, I, I think that just comes back to like maybe like a deeper sense of wanting to feel accomplished, not wanting to like quit, wanting to show that you can do it and make up for it or you know a lot of times we'll talk about how everybody wants to be hardcore um that was a big thing for me it was like no like that's who i am so like you know even though like i'm hurting myself like i want to deadlift as much as possible because like that's what you do when you're hardcore and to not be that guy anymore i mean that's that's our identity and if everybody we know knows us as that person it becomes very hard to step away from that 
Yeah, and I, I think I kind of have an answer to that, but I want to come back to this for a second and want to take a step back to something we uh, started to touch on here. And that is sort of the diminishing returns when it comes to fitness. And, and, and when I'm saying fitness, I really mean lifting to get more muscular and eating to get leaner. Like, like that's, uh, that's where these diminishing return rates are really kicking in. Because when you're training for powerlifting, for example, it's, it's kind of a different game because, you know, there is always little things you can actually tweak to get a little bit stronger because there are so many variables there hypertrophy uh, specific factors and then nervous system factors technique like a lot of things uh, weight manipulation like that that's an actual uh, actually a very complex game compared to just yeah, lifting to get jacked but i recently heard um an interview with Menno Hanselmans and like don't get me wrong Menno is you know my top 4 favorite fitness experts in no particular order or Eric Helms Mike Isretel uh, Greg Knuckles and Menno. Like, I just love those guys. And Menno is probably in the top two, actually, within that. So, I, and I consume pretty much everything that he puts out. Uh, I really, really love that guy. But he said something which was he really loves geeking out on lifting and fitness because it's not like other areas of life, like, for example, playing an instrument where you can just do that a lot and you will get better over time. But in lifting, you really have to think and figure things out and because otherwise you get stuck. And once you figure that out, then you can get going again. And I was listening to that and I was I was like, man, I honestly think as, as much as I love how that sounds, that it's kind of the exact opposite in that I think lifting is one of those very few areas of life where you need to understand a couple of things, but literally like three, four, five things, which you could summarize in one sentence probably, and take action on those, and you would be pretty much set for the rest of your life. And anything else on top of that is not going to move the needle that much on top of it. And yeah, sure, like when you get stuck as an intermediate advanced lifter, there are a couple of more strategies that you can implement or should implement if you want to keep progressing. But even that is another like four bullet points probably that you can summarize in a sentence. And so I was listening to this, man, it's kind of the exact opposite of what you're saying, I think. Yeah. Um, it, it's tough because like also, I don't know like how much um, individual coaching you do, but as anybody who coaches people, it almost sounds like you're convincing people not to work with you, right? Because it's like, well, you know, yeah. you don't really need that much detail versus the person who says, oh, well, I've got these secrets and, and I can really like get you here, here if you just follow this exact protocol. And, and you know, sometimes I actually believe what they're selling, but, but I, I don't think that that's like the right way to look at it. And first of all, hopefully if you're coaching people, you're genuinely trying to help them, right? And not just like trick people into feeling like they need you. Um, but secondly, I, I think a huge number of people who are trying to get fit fall into either the category of people who are overly obsessive and need help <laughs> to not be so obsessive or people who are getting started who, who still need that guidance anyway. I mean, that's largely who I work with. You know, I don't tend to be working with people who are like super advanced, who have all their shit together, who have already gotten like the lifestyle down and, and everything there. You know, those people, they might need a coach for like a contest prep, but other than that, like not so much. Um, the people who I tend to work with are people who are like really just trying to get into the fitness scene, trying to kind of learn the ropes or they've been doing it, you know, I think the most recent person who signed up um, so a few days ago was like somebody who, you know, they have a good build, but um, they're still trying to kind of get at a point. They told me their goal was basically to like gain another, you know, maybe like 15 or so pounds of muscle and then just be able to maintain. They're not looking to be super obsessive. They're looking to like get to this goal and then incorporate it into their lifestyle, which is exactly what I promote, right? So um, 
I think it's nice to be able to say, oh, if I could figure out these little details here and there. I just don't think that it matters that much. I, I think when I look around me, it's so many people are doing so many different things and it doesn't seem like that's the difference between their success, right? I mean, I hate to be that guy just like talking about genetics all the time, but that's that to me is the number one thing is genetics and then uh, your consistency with it. Um, I, I didn't see Menno's posts. I actually, I probably should follow him more. He's actually one of the, like, the only people <laughs> I don't really follow that much, um, but I, I probably should look into his stuff more. But he, uh, I'd have to see it myself, but it sounds like I would, I would agree with what you're saying over what he said. Hey guys, just a second. Are you enjoying this podcast? If so, I'd really appreciate you dropping a five-star rating on the Sustainable Self-Development Podcast on iTunes. That will help me to grow this podcast, rank higher on the platform, and get more high-quality guests over time, which is a win-win for everybody. So if you could do this little bit of favor for me, I'll owe you one. Thanks a lot, guys, and let's continue. Yeah, yeah. And... Um... And what, what you just said about the, the people that you're helping in your coaching, I mean, that's, um, I, I do coaching myself as well. And the, and, and the people who end up signing up and end up or who get on, get on the call with me to discuss their goals and challenges and whatever, and who actually end up becoming clients are those where I can feel that, okay, I can contribute to this person's success either because they don't have the fundamentals down and I can help giving them a shortcut basically to get there, figure out that whole thing while we're working together, plus or and or giving them that extra accountability that they might have been uh, lacking in. You know, like if someone is trying to lose fat, for example, a lot of the times everybody knows you don't have to be a fitness person to know that probably you need to be eating less and moving more in, in a general sense. But a lot of people just don't have the self-discipline or courage or they just need someone to hold them accountable or just tell them objectively, like, okay, this is what you're going to do. I don't want to be second guessing myself. So I'm going to hire someone for that. So it's the relationship that a lot of people buy into, not necessarily your magical power to micromanage a whole bunch of variables. Like that, that is, that is coaching in a sense, or, and, and even that is even the case for someone who is going through a contest prep. I mean, someone who is signing up for 3D muscle journey or something to get ready for a contest prep. I mean, a lot of those guys are pretty well trained already. They know a lot of the stuff. They probably have read Eric's books and stuff like that. They just need someone to keep them accountable throughout a really monumental effort that they have to go through. So, um, so yeah, I would, I would agree, agree with you there. Um, so if you, speaking about the fundamentals versus the like the nitty-gritty stuff like you have i i have done a lot of crazy stuff um looking back i, I pushed the envelope like crazy um and i know that you have been experimenting with all kinds of stuff as well and you have been pushing the envelope at times more than other times like if you're looking at your physique now like where you have ended up like at like at what um like what do you think is the minimum amount of training days and like the sim like the most simplistic setup you could have employed to get where you are now uh, versus what you were doing. Okay, that's actually an interesting question. So you're saying not what's the minimal amount I could do to maintain, but like that could have gotten me to this point? Yeah, yeah. And like if you can briefly contrast it to what you were actually doing at certain times. Right, yeah. That That's definitely tough. I mean, of course, there's no way to actually know. Um, man, I would guess that if nutrition, sleep, everything else was exactly the same, 
I probably could have gotten to where I am now. I don't know, man. Maybe even doing... I, I wouldn't be surprised, I'll say, if two full-body workouts a week would have gotten there. Um, it would have taken longer, for sure. But, I mean, again, you have to remember, I'm, I'm 15 years into this now. So, I, I really haven't put on what I would say is, like, substantial muscle or anything. Probably for... I would say probably about four years, you know. Um, by the time I was, like, 24, I had already been lifting for... 12 years then so it, that was I was pretty much done as far as the actual size you know I've gotten like leaner since then but you know in terms of like actual muscle mass I would bet that I probably could have gotten similar with with two days a week there um, but I mean to your point in, in the post that you earlier referenced part of it is your enjoyment right I mean there are people who love training every single day one of the, the things I made on my uh, vacation post was that like I love on vacation to get up early get some coffee just kind of have some me time and then go to the gym and then eat and I did that every single day pretty much on my cruise just because that's what I enjoyed doing um, so I'm definitely not telling people like oh and you said this too some people are like oh you're too obsessive if you go more than like X number of days per week and I wouldn't agree with that either I mean I remember I don't know if you heard my podcast with Brian Haycock but um, you know he's, he's a really smart guy but I remember him saying he thought it was obsessive yeah, that yeah. I've never taken more than a week off in like 14 years. And I was kind of surprised he said that because to me, like, why would I need more than a week off? Like, I, I like lifting. So why would I why would I need more than that? Like, because I was telling because I had uh, surgery. So I was off for like three weeks. And I was like, this is the longest I've ever had that. And he was acting as like, if that was strange. And I was like, I think it'd be strange for somebody to feel the need to take off more than that. Just because not that's a huge problem if they need to. But like, I like lifting. So it's not it's not an issue. Um, so I, I don't I think people can kind of lift as much as, as they want or not but I, I think you can get by on a lot and um, and certainly if you're talking about maintenance I mean I've been shocked at times at, at how little I can do to maintain I mean even like for example I used to squat and deadlift like all the time um, I would you know I've done Bulgarian training where I was squatting around 400 pounds four to six days a week um, I mean, and I, I was definitely doing a lot and after um, you know some back issues and things like that I, I pretty much cut those out entirely for a while and I was just doing machines um, and that was like once a week I was doing uh, machines and you know my leg circumference really didn't change at all now I'm not going to say there was like no muscle loss but it, it obviously wasn't significant enough to like decrease the measurements and I was a similar leanness so um, I have been very surprised at how easy it is to maintain as long as you're still doing something yeah it's um, that is another thing I wanted to cover here is that I don't understand this need in all areas of life, but it also applies to fitness to be always either like to, to be extremist in all ways. Like you're either super obsessive and then no days off and you're being a complete lunatic or like you always have to bash someone either because they are lazy or because they're too obsessive. Like why I don't understand why taking or by not taking long chunks of time off, you are being obsessive. Like why do you have to call it a name? Like why do you have to like be judgmental towards someone because of that. It's almost like there are two extremes in which either you're pushing the envelope like crazy, that is one camp, and then the, there's this other camp which is like, okay, so we understand that you can get by doing very little. And okay, so two days a week in the gym can suffice. Three is pushing it. And then if you're in the gym four days a week, then you're obsessive. It's like, why? I, I, honestly, I, I don't get this. Like, it, it's really no different to playing video games, in my view. Like, I play with my Xbox, I play FIFA pretty much every evening. And, man, you don't want to know the ridiculous things that I'm doing in that game. Like, I will never be a professional video gamer. I can't even be the, the machine consistently. But I am 
recreating old players that have retired already. Like I'm, I'm actually creating players in the game. I'm putting them into teams and I'm commentating the games like as if it was an actual match and stuff like that. I'm acting like a 10-year-old, but I enjoy doing it. And honestly, I view lifting the same way. Like lifting is is fun for me. Like if when I'm on a vacation, I will be honest, not being able to lift is is, is tough. Like it makes me reduces the enjoyment of the holiday for me. And I know that someone hears that and they say, man, that's so obsessive, but why? Like if you enjoy doing something and you're not doing it for a week, like what's weird about missing doing that thing? I, honestly, I just don't get it. Yeah, no, I agree, man, for sure. So the reason I wanted to go on this bit of a tangent is because um, like to answer the question of why are we still doing the crazy stuff and the hardcore approach oftentimes, even if we know that this is not needed, because like, yeah, once you understand that y- the fundamentals will get you a very long way, so why would you try to optimize even more things? And the answer to that is like you you do it if it is actually enjoyable for you. Like if, if you actually like doing it, if it you actually derive pleasure from the act of pushing the envelope, then that is a good good enough reason by itself. I think the only important thing is to be honest with yourself about why why you're doing it. Like don't set up yourself to you know, like false expectations and just hope that if you're tweaking all these things, then one day you will wake up looking like Jeff Nippard or that's actually part of your game and thinking that you're going to look wake up looking like Jeff Nippard is what keeps you in the game. And even though deep down, you know that you're, it's not going to happen, it, it's just a fun, almost like a role playing game that you can do each day in the gym or something like that. Uh, I don't know. Went on a long ramble there. Sorry. <laughs> well, I would also say, um, you know, going back to like the obsessive nature of it, I think I should also point out that as much as I say like, oh, like this doesn't matter that much, this doesn't matter that much, like I'm saying it doesn't matter that much. I'm not saying it doesn't matter at all. Right. And, and yeah. so, you know, if I take myself as an example, um, you know, when I was like near peak, I was doing 225, 15 on bench press. Right. And that's, that's you know, by good. powerlifting standards, not that great. But for me and, and you know, in an average gym, that, that's pretty solid. And so recently I got 13 and I'm significantly lighter than I was before. And I was also doing like a specialization phase before and things like that. And so to me, like, first of all, like that's not that big of a difference. Right. 13 versus 15 isn't that big of a difference but for somebody who's like this is a, a huge hobby of mine it's something i've been doing for a long time it would be worth it to me to maybe try and do a specialization phase and get you know really detailed so that i could maybe get 16 or 17 with 225 right because to get a legitimate pr like that after 15 years would be awesome right that would be a really big accomplishment for me and that would you know make my enjoyment go up that would be i'd have a happy day doing that like all of that and so the average person can look at that and say well you know you had 15 you're down to 13 you'd get up to 17 like who cares and and i would agree with that for most people that doesn't matter i'm not putting on any dramatic amount of muscle mass in order to do that i'm just you know improving the technique and, and all that but for me that would be worth it and it, it goes to you like what you're saying with like fifa i'm sure people could have a lot of fun just playing the game but you like to get obsessive with it um and that's fine and, and so the reason i keep preaching the other side is because i want people to be cognizant of why they're doing that and not thinking wow these little details are going to be the difference between me looking like, you know, <laughs> you know, somebody looks like shit or like Jeff Nipper, you know, because it's, it's not going to be that difference. But as long as you understand that, then it's fine. And, and you can feel free to be as obsessive as you want. And there might be times where you, you do want to push it and times you want to pull back. Yeah. Uh, the same the same sort of judgmental attitude is is there when it comes to 
individual choices that people make. Like when I had Ivan Gavranich on my channel, who uh, is basically the, his thing is that he got down to basically contest shape, it, probably better shape than most people get on stage with. So like five, six percent body fat, the legitimate, like veins everywhere. And he actually maintains that look year round. And he's not even, he's not posting pictures of himself on Instagram like I had to ask for pictures from him personally so that I can actually put something in the video because uh, he's just doing it for himself. And then people were commenting under it saying that this is disgusting. This is the opposite of fitness. And it's like, man, why? <laughs> like he's doing it for his own enjoyment. Like what what is wrong with the choice that someone is doing for himself? It, it, is, it is just so strange. Um, a really right, big right. eye-opening uh, thing that I've seen recently was I don't know if you've seen that post from Eric Helms about his first competition season in 2007, I think, and now in 2019, and is the same stage weight. And now, of course, he is significantly leaner. So maybe in the first one, he's 8% body fat, and in the latter one, he is 5%. And that basically washes out at like five pounds of muscle gain. Maybe it would be a bit more if he was at a higher body fat percentage. So in the off season, like he might be able to be, I don't know, seven, maybe 10 pounds heavier at say 12% body fat compared to his earlier seasons. But man, if you think about it like that, it's like five pounds of muscle over 12 years. Like it really, that really puts into perspective, like, okay, so you're doing the mega bulks, you're basically right. spending half of your year overstuffing yourself, not being happy with what you're seeing in the mirror. And in the other half of the year, you're starving yourself, you're skipping on social events so you can manage your diet. Man, like, A, maybe that is just not necessary and you can get those five pounds of gains without doing all that crazy stuff. And B, like that's that gives you a really good idea about the diminishing returns when it comes to fitness. Once again, it's just um, it's it, it's partly inspiring and motivating, partly partly discouraging. I think it just depends on your attitude, how you're looking at it, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that at least he's kind of aware of that, though, right? Like he'll say that because you get a lot of people. I talk about this all the time, like these like delusional bodybuilders. And this is something I realized just a couple years in, where I'd see people and then they post again and then they post again, like year for year, and it's just like, dude, like you look exactly the same. Like you're trying to tell me how like like on T Nation, there was this guy, and I mean, he was a really nice guy, Stu. Um, but he had been lifting for like 20 years, so then he finally decided to compete. And then every year, he'd have like a new contest thread, and he's like, Oh, I'm really working on my, you know, like rear delts here. And I'm like, Dude, you've been lifting for 20 years. You're not bringing up like this, you're just not changing that much. Like, maybe you can get leaner. I definitely see bodybuilders get leaner year to year, but like, as a natural lifter after 20 years, you're done. <laughs> like, I don't yeah. mean to be so pessimistic. It's just, I mean, <clears throat> I guess if the delusion keeps you motivated, that's fine. Um, I, I just don't like to spread that misinformation out there, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I guess uh, the, the final thing, maybe we can close with this or feel free to bring up anything if uh, there is something on your mind. But um, like, what is it? Like, I'm, sometimes I'm thinking, what is it really that, uh, like the evidence-based fitness uh, sphere in particular, what is it? Is it a form of entertainment almost? Because I think there are a lot of people who are kind of aware of a lot of the things that we are talking about here but they just enjoy geeking out on it. So is it like a form of, this is my entertainment, like watching this thing? And then the actual content creators, like the guys that put out research reviews and podcasts and stuff, or even us, you know, with our interviews, is it just like, okay, like basically this is Netflix for lifting geeks? Right, or, right. or like, well, what is the role of all of this? Because it's not, it's clearly not, here is the life-changing advice for you. Because that is, 
look, this is how you adhere to a diet to lose 40 pounds. Like that is life-changing advice. But, you know, like velocity training or heavy eccentrics and all of that stuff. And like, that is not life-changing value. That is like, what, what is it? What do you think? Uh, yeah, actually, <laughs> the uh, Netflix analogy is interesting. I think so something I remember saying to my friends back in college was that if I never read or saw another thing on fitness again in my life, I don't think it would change my outcome in terms of like how big I would be. Uh, you know, by that point, I had already been in it for like eight years. I knew all of the basics and more, and I, I really don't think it would have made a difference. I think I'd be even the same size now, but I think there's something to be said for the entertainment value and, and just like the motivation involved. And um, if I had actually stepped away from all fitness content back then, I would say it'd be reasonable to say I wouldn't be where I am now, not because I couldn't be, but because like I would have just been away from all that. You know, I just would have been like with everybody else in the world, just kind of like, oh, well, I see everybody else and they, they seem fine. And, you know, I just don't need to get that involved. Whereas like when I see the fitness content, you know, I, I think it's important to make sure you're not always comparing yourself and it's not like a jealousy thing. But at the same time, you see somebody like set this new PR and I think, oh, man, like, or, you know, you know, Candido puts out a specialization phase and you're like, oh, well, maybe I want to do that. Like just these things that it kind of just keeps it in your life, right? It keeps it, it's entertaining. Um, I think there are certain content creators who you get so used to listening to them. You're almost listening to them for the sake of listening. Yeah. And again, that's a lot of like what Omar does. Like, you know, he's got people who have been listening to him for 10 years. He's like a part of their life now, right? He's just, you tune into what Omar is saying and you know, he's like one of the original people. So I, I think there is an entertainment value for sure. Um, I would say nine, I mean, it's a little different now. Like I like the research reviews that like, you know, mass and all that, but, uh, even then, I, I don't know. I would say from like YouTube fitness, I maybe gleam something new from like 2% of the content. And I would say from like mass articles, maybe, I don't know, maybe like a third. I mean, it's, it's pretty good. It's a pretty good review. Um, and there are like, you know, some little details here and there, but they're still not changing that much about like my day to day training. Um, but again, when you're obsessed, like you and I are, or at least when it's been a, such a big part of your life, it, it's kind of worth it to, it's like, yep, this is entertainment. And when I gleam that little, thing here and there like that's nice you know or there's this is one more way i can help uh my my clients you know oh here's, here's a new study showing like i don't know if you remember um when the stuff came out on like refeeds and forever it was it was like once a week refeed there was like this and then uh, some of these like diet break studies started coming out and they showed like actually they seem to be superior a lot of the times actually take like a full diet break that that had something that we can actually incorporate with our clients but that you know was one of the thousand bits of information about nutrition that year and it just happened to be that one really good thing you know yeah yeah no absolutely and yeah, and I I will be because I think it, for a lot of the stuff that I've been saying in this podcast, it almost sounds like I'm hating on like the evidence based fitness community. Like not at all, man. Like when I'm going to the gym on Saturdays, I'm timing it in a way so that I can download the upcoming Revive Stronger podcast before that, and I can listen to it in the gym. Like you know, I I <laughs> right. love all of that stuff, and I love listening to Mike Israel because. I just love it, it. It is just fascinating for me to listen to ridiculously intelligent people, like just how quickly his brain works, the analogies he's coming up with. It is just uh, fun for my brain to be immersed in that kind of stuff. And Eric Hounds with his wisdom and Greg Knuckles with the unique and nuanced insights that he has on a lot of things. And Menno questioning a lot of the stuff that other people stopped questioning. Like, I just like that stuff. And I would my life would be objectively worse if I didn't have access to all of those things. Um, yeah, I think it just, um, yeah, it, it comes back to that post that I put out that, um, yeah, I think a lot of people just have delusional ideas about, 
the reason, like all of all of us have that hope that, yeah, I'm kind of average. I'm not not as big and jacked, and I don't have the delts and chest of my favorite influencers. But it is because there's still some new training technique or nutritional hack that is yet to come out in the next research review or something like that, and that is going to change the game. And yeah, and and that is just not the case. So, yeah. Well, man, we pretty much uh, got up to an hour. It's pretty crazy. Time just flew by. Yeah. Do you have anything uh, that that is on your mind you want to close with? or? Um, no, I mean, we, we cover a lot. I think it's just, it, it is really interesting to see how how much the uh, fitness industry, I guess, has changed in recent years. I mean, you said you've been in it for about seven years, right? Yeah, yeah. So even then, I mean, it, it's a lot different from seven years ago, but I mean, it's really different than like 10 to 15 years ago. I mean, I don't think there were any fitness podcasts that I was aware of when I first got into this. Everything was still forums, which are like pretty much completely dead now. Um, I think a lot of it, I mean, there's been a lot positive and a lot negative um but it, it is interesting to see like how much even in just like everyday like everyday people who weren't in it before are getting into fitness instagram and all that and i think it is a lot of positive stuff but definitely the negative that you know, we've kind of touched on here the you know people getting too obsessive with it so it's unfortunate that the evidence-based crew is such a small part of the overall fitness industry um i think it's easy to forget when you know you and i probably only really follow <laughs> those evidence-based people i think it's easy to forget how many people are not following them but are still in some sort of like fitness realm um but i don't know man I, i've definitely been liking the content you've been putting out there so hopefully hopefully we are reaching enough people to make a difference yeah man just as a side note why do you think that is that the industry is so volatile like why do you think so many people have come and gone so fast is it because they just couldn't work out the business side of things for themselves and it just wasn't worth it so they just went back to having their day job before or like what do you think is the reason behind that? Man, I think it's a lot of things. I, I think one, it's not necessarily, I mean, it's just really not a stable career for a lot of people. I mean, it's like anything, right? Where anything where a lot of people want to do it, right? Like you look at sports and we see these famous people or MMA and we see all these like famous people now. And, but it's like, man, 99% of these people who are doing this activity never make it. And it's like, yeah, you know, if, if you're like Elaine Norton or you're like 3DMJ and you can make a career out of it, fantastic. But like out of all trainers, they, are the 0.01%, right? I mean, there's so many people who do it and they just do it as like a side thing. And and again, like I would probably fall into that too, right? Like it's, it's certainly not like my primary vocation, but I think it's also hard to continuously come out with interesting content. If you look at the people who really grew, oftentimes there's a spike and then they kind of level off, right? Jason Blaha was that big deal. He was doing these fake natty videos. He went from like, whatever, 10,000 subscribers to 100,000. And now he's been there for years and he's just, you know, he's, he's kind of like a meme in the industry, right? Um, Alpha Destiny, he, you know, his like, what was it the high rack pulls and, and all like the neck training stuff, he blew up. And I, as far, I mean, I haven't seen his content in a long time, but I, I think he's probably around the same. You, you have something that kind of blows you up and, and then you're just kind of there. And a lot of these people can use that to, you know, maintain a career, but I, I haven't seen too many people do a really stable job of it. I mean, 3DMJ is doing a solid job. You know, they made a huge name for themselves. And, but even if you look at their, you know, their YouTube channel, I mean, they have, I think like 80,000 subscribers but their views aren't you know nearly as high as somebody who more recently got 80,000 right um it's very hard to maintain that audience and also 
fitness is a phase for a lot of people, right? So a lot of the people who were watching, you know, Alpha Destiny's videos five years ago, or maybe even more recent, I guess, but like 3 Game Jay's videos five years ago, a lot of those people aren't even like doing this anymore. You know, unfortunately, a lot of, you know, like, you know, I, I do a lot of like dental surgeries, right? People were just going to need that throughout their life. They, and it doesn't really matter if somebody's like consistently doing it. I'm going to have patients all the time. It's just, they just come to me for the most part. I mean, and there's things like I have to advertise and stuff for the most part, but, but it really, there's not, there's not a lot I have to do there to maintain it. But there's new people in the fitness industry all the time as, as far as like the consumers. And so, you know, somebody who was getting into it and they're 16 to 18, a lot of those people just don't care anymore by the time they're in their mid 20s. I mean, almost all of my friends who were really into lifting in college, it's kind of like a side thing now. They go a couple days a week. It's not really their focus. And so then it's not just, oh, hey, I developed a good base five years ago. You have to keep developing that base as new people enter the industry and, and more people leave. Um, and I think that's really difficult, especially with something that's so cosmetic focused, you know, especially for women. I mean, what, what's the timeline? of like a fit, attractive woman in the fitness industry. A lot of these people, they're, they're doing their little Instagram modeling thing for a couple years and then they're replaced by the next like 22-year-old, you know? Um, it, it, I, it's not something that I would personally want to do as like my, my sole income because I think it, it can be very difficult to be stay relevant, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. It's, um, yeah, it's kind of like recently I just had a freaking massive acne thing on my face, which was just like did not want mm -hmm. to go away. You know, I'm way past the teenager always having acne face but there was just like one stubborn thing and I was right. like man how the fuck can I poke this out and then I found this um lady on on YouTube who is like this acne queen this acne goddess and she has this amazing okay. technique of getting out acne poking them out and she she was on Dr Oz and I checked her out she has like 5 million followers on YouTube freaking insane and you know for a couple of days I became her biggest fan until I was dealing with that pimple once that was gone, never returned again. And right. If my whole goal with fitness was to get beach lean once, I will be honest, Kino Buddy and his videos were the biggest help for me at one specific time. When I, in 2015, when I was like, I never saw my abs before and I was always starting diets and quitting them. I was discouraged. I watched his videos religiously and there was just something motivational, encouraging about them. And that was a massive help in me getting down to single digit body fat for the first time in my life. And, but if that was it, I would have, you know, watched Kino Body for a while and then never returned to YouTube fitness again. So yeah, it is, it is very true what you're saying. It's super interesting. Right. And uh, yeah, and I don't, I don't mean to be like hating on people who, who do it as a career. I'm just very interested to see what happens, you yeah. know? Um, I don't know if you watch any of like Nick's strength and power videos, but that guy blew up in the last like two years. You know, he's got like almost 800,000 subscribers and I've heard him talk about like, you know, how he makes a ton of money now, but he's putting like almost all of it away into savings. And I think that's really smart of him. I mean, he used to work at like UPS and now he's making, you know, I think hundreds of thousands of dollars from what I understand um, per year on, on YouTube, but he's being smart about it. I, I do wonder how many of these people who get this sudden like Insta fame or YouTube fame are just like, Ooh, I've made it. And like, okay, well, what are you going to do when you're like 40 and nobody cares anymore? You know? Yeah, it is. It is definitely a big risk to jump into this as a, as, as a full-time thing. It is, it can be very enticing because the lifestyle and especially in the fit, the evidence-based uh, fitness community because it is such a warm and welcoming community you can make friends very quickly and connections right. like it doesn't take a lot like now you can interact with mike isratel and greg knuckles right. i mean 
you couldn't do that if you were in Jampa Fitness. You couldn't just uh, sit down and chat with uh, Jay Cutler. You know, you couldn't go over to his apartment like you did with Greg Knuckles and record a video together. No chance. But this community is, is small and connections form quickly. So because of that, it seems like these people are, like, it could be me. Like, I could be Menno Hanselmans traveling the world and going to 15 different countries in two months and just going to gyms and attending conferences and uh, putting out articles and stuff, and I could make it work. It seems like it's just an arm's reach away, but it is, um, yeah, it's, it, I wouldn't say it's a false promise. It is just almost like the song of the sirens. Like, it is very enticing, but it is very dangerous because it is only attainable to a very, very small portion of the people because uh, it is just very competitive and very tough to make it. Yeah, yeah for sure it is. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, great talk. I really enjoyed it. And um, thanks so much for coming on. I'm really looking forward to you coming up with new stuff. You are one of the best interviewers uh, out there in the podcasting sphere, certainly when it comes to fitness. In other podcast genres like um, business and things like that, there are some really good podcasters in fitness, not that many. And you're definitely one of them. And also you're... Thanks, man. Yeah. And yeah, it's... Um, it's probably also because it's not your full-time gig yet or maybe won't ever be uh your like easygoing nature really comes across in your videos and um so yeah looking forward to everything that's coming up from you and yeah just uh, want to let people know where they can find your stuff and things like that yeah absolutely yeah and, and like you said back at you with the uh the podcast content and i'm glad we were able to connect like you said it is nice that it's kind of like a smaller community because it is easy to just kind of reach out to people and connect um and, and so if people want to see more of my stuff on youtube it's brains and gains on uh, instagram it's dave underscore for McConey. Um, and if you're interested in any like services or more about the uh, the charity donations and stuff I do, you can go to uh, Dr. Just DR Dave McConey.com. Perfect. So yeah, do all of that guys and thank you for tuning in today. And Dave, thank you once again. It was great chatting with you. Sure thing. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, then please, once again, consider dropping a five-star rating on iTunes. It would mean a lot to me and it would be truly helpful. And if you're interested in more cool stuff, then you could visit my YouTube channel. If you type in Sustainable Self-Development Podcast there or even SSD Podcast, it will come up. And if you're interested in working together with me, then you can always visit SustainableSelfDevelopment.com and you can book a free call with me. We can hop on a call, chat and talk about your fitness goals, challenges, and we'll see if we are a good fit. So if that sounds interesting to you, then head over to sustainableselfdevelopment.com once again. So that's all I had to say for today. I hope to see you soon. And with that, have a good one.